Easter eggs, pink grass, chocolate bunnies, Easter egg hunts, spring flowers, rubber duckies. Is there anything wrong with any of these types of secular Easter traditions? Of course not. There's nothing wrong with any of those things. In fact, most of us that have had children or young children have been through the Easter egg candy and basket and toy situation. That's just the way we celebrate as a secular group of people. But what is Easter really all about? Most of you actually know. Some of you may not know. But Easter, or as we as believers say, Resurrection Sunday, is actually the celebration, probably the most significant aspect of celebration in a Christian believer's life. And that is the celebration that our Savior not only died for us, but he rose again and lives even to this day for us. I'm going to talk with you a little bit about what Easter really truly means. Did you know that Easter is not just some random single historical event of Christ dying on the cross? It was prophesied 400 years before he was even born. In the book of Isaiah, chapter 53, Incidentally, a chapter that is not often studied by those of the Jewish faith. They purposefully actually ignore it in most cases, or they misinterpret who the subject of the chapter 53 is. Isaiah 53 actually speaks about Christ being the one who will be bruised for our transgressions. He will be led like a lamb to the slaughter, and upon him would be the chastisement of our peace, our shalom, as they say. Why? Because we as human beings are born with a sin nature. We didn't know it when we were born, but we're born with a sin nature, a nature that is more about our own selves, our own greed, our own pleasure, our own selfishness. And if you don't believe me, watch a room full of two-year-olds and see how they behave. Now, two-year-olds don't even know how to articulate the fact that they have a sin nature. But it doesn't take long for you to observe that children, even the very youngest children together, can often display horrifying behavior, slapping and kicking and biting and shoving and screaming and yelling. These are not kind, gentle natures. This is a sin nature, and we all have it. In other words, we're all born basically on the road to eternal separation from God. It's not that we can live our lives all the way through and hope all the good outweighs all the bad and maybe we'll gain a gold star or some kind of a tally mark that helps us earn heaven. We can't earn it. It's not ours to even bargain for. It's not ours at all. And God knew this when sin entered into the perfect Garden of Eden from his creation God already had in place a plan, a way to reconcile us to him. But he knew that we couldn't earn it on our own. There's not enough holiness in us. There's not enough righteousness. There's not enough goodness, kindness, benevolence, unselfishness. I mean, you can go on and on and on. But the best of us is not holy and righteous compared to Christ or God the Father. So God did the only thing that he could do that would absolutely gain his favor, and that is to offer the perfect sacrifice once and for all. You see, up until the time Christ was crucified, there was a day of atonement where a sacrifice of blood had to be offered, and God would accept this day of atonement. But it was a looking forward to the perfect atonement, the once for all 
the no need for atonement days after this sacrifice, and that was the perfect lamb of God, the Passover lamb. It's not at all a random accident that these things took place during the Passover season, because Passover is the most significant biblical event and holiday in all of recorded human history. The most significant events historically in the Bible took place during the Passover time. So it's not at all an accident that Christ was crucified. It was just a a horrible, unspeakable, excruciating death. And he was not murdered. His life was not taken from him. He actually came to this earth ultimately to fulfill God's mission, God's emergency plan, so to speak, for our salvation. See, God is a prepper. And he prepped for us to be able to have the opportunity to accept the Lord Jesus' sacrifice on the cross as payment for the sins that we have committed. He has committed none. He was taking the payment for us. He accepted the penalty for us. That is the Easter message. Christ endured excruciating agony physically on the cross He endured emotional and spiritual agony because the penalty of sin of the whole of humanity was placed upon him and him alone. Can you imagine the level of guilt and suffering that he endured? I I cannot. I cannot imagine that. But he did that from his great heart of love and mercy and grace for us. And he arose after that crucifixion, triumphant over the grave. He arose and appeared to his disciples and to the women that came to the garden. There are many accounts in the Bible of of unrefuted records of him being able to be seen again as a living human being. And then he ascended to heaven to be with the Father, where he is to this day. Jesus Christ is seated on the throne of lordship at the right hand of the Father. Now, Christ came to this earth the first time as a human baby, born like you and I were born to a mother biologically, but he was sinless in every respect. And he came to fulfill God's mission of salvation and a message of grace and mercy toward all mankind. And he fulfilled that mission on the cross and he completed that mission with his resurrection. And we as Christian believers celebrate Easter because Easter represents that death, burial, and resurrection period. It's not really about chocolate eggs or or bunnies or ducks. It's about the Lord Jesus Christ and what he did for us on that cross. You see, like I said before, you and I as just normal, ordinary humans, we're already walking a road of condemnation, even if we don't realize it. Because we have a sin nature, we're already destined to be separated from God after we die and to be separated for an eternity. God's plan has been laid out and is completed. It is finished. We don't have to earn his love. We don't have to earn his salvation. We just have to reach out and accept it in our hearts. And the Bible is very clear about how we can be born again, not born again physically. No one can be born again physically. When the Bible speaks about being born again, that is a spiritual transformation. You go from spiritual darkness and deadness and being born spiritually through the power of his resurrection and salvation into a relationship with God. 
And it's not just a one-time experience. It's a, it's a relationship. It's a day-by-day relationship. Now, you don't have to understand everything there is to know about God. We'll never understand everything there is to know about God. You may not have any knowledge of the Bible or truly understand what it's trying to say. And that's okay. You don't have to be a philosopher or a scholar to become saved, gloriously saved by the power of Christ. And it's not about a feeling. It's about a commitment of your will. When you're willing to say to the Lord, Lord, I recognize that I'm a sinner. And I also realize that you paid the price for that sin. It should have been me on that cross. But no, Lord, you went in my place. And Lord, I accept your gracious sacrifice on my behalf. And Lord, I want to ask you into my heart to be my Lord, my Savior, my Redeemer. And Lord, I want to dedicate my life to you. And Lord, for you to guide me and to sustain me and send me, Lord, where you want me to go and serve you with all of my heart, my soul, and my mind. And Mark and I want you to know that if you have more questions or want more details about what it means to become a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, we'll be happy to share what we know and any resources we have that you'll be able to read and study as well. And if you have questions, please ask them and we'll help you as best that we possibly can because believers want others to be believers. Does it mean that you're going to have a perfect and rosy life afterward? No, it doesn't mean that. For the time that we're still here on this earth, we're still going to have issues and challenges and problems. Yes, we'll even sin from time to time, but we believe in a God who has already forgiven us. And we know that he's in our heart because after we become believers, when we do sin, the Holy Spirit convicts us deeply in our heart. We know that we have grieved and we know that we need to make certain that we follow the Holy Spirit's guidance as Jesus, our Lord and God, the Father will lead us. So I wanted to bring this very short very condensed Easter message to say, celebrate Easter with your family and enjoy the fun and the the picnics and the parties. But deep in your heart, realize that ultimately the question is, what are you going to do with Jesus Christ? If you have already trusted him as your Savior and Lord, then we just hallelujah right alongside of you. We're brothers and sisters in Christ. If you don't yet know him in a personal way, as your personal Savior, I urge you to open up your heart to the leading of the Holy Spirit. You see, Jesus is a gentleman. He will not force himself on you. He asks you to invite him into your life. And I promise you, when you do, you'll have a peace that passes all understanding. You'll have the hope of eternity with Christ in heaven, no longer bound for hell, with the devil and his demons, you'll now have eternity in heaven with Christ and you'll have a richer life and a more abundant life here on earth. It has nothing to do with your pocketbook, has nothing to do with your job. It has everything to do with your heart, your soul, and your spirit. When those are lined up with what God has for you, his purpose for you, there's no telling what can happen in your life. You'll see miraculous things take place. Just amazing. We want you to be a good prepper for your eternal soul. So what are you going to do with Jesus this Easter? We want you to think about it because you know why? Stuff happens and we want you to be everlastingly prepared.